Uh, We're going to get into the word of God this morning. And I want to read to you a few verses from Matthew's gospel, chapter 9. Those that have been tuning in over the past couple of weeks, I've been doing a little bit of a series looking at the word new. And uh, we've been focusing just on the New Testament. If we did the word new all the way through the Bible, we'd never get through it because there are hundreds and hundreds of times this word new is found in the Bible. God is the God of the new thing. Uh, But we've been looking just at the New Testament. We've been looking at the new covenant. We've been looking at the fact that we're new creations, uh, the new life, the new and living way into God. God's presence. And this morning, I want to get all charismatic on you this morning because we're going to look at the new wine, the new wine. In Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 14, um, it says, Then John's disciples, this is the disciples of John the Baptist, came and asked Jesus, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. What the disciples of John are trying to do here is they're trying to compare the ministry of the Pharisees and the ministry of John the Baptist with the ministry of Jesus. They're coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, uh, what you're doing, we're not used to this. Uh, You know, we follow John the Baptist in this way and the Pharisees, their disciples follow God in this way, but but you're doing something totally different. They couldn't get their heads around it. Uh, You know, the Pharisees, they were the, you know, they were the people that that were full of religion. They knew the scriptures, they knew theology, but they didn't have a relationship with God. And John the Baptist, as wonderful a prophet as he was, he was still part of the old covenant. And the disciples, they couldn't get this. They were saying, Jesus, how come you don't fit in with what we're used to? How come you don't fit in with what we've seen before? And Jesus was coming and basically he was saying to them, look, I have not come to fit in to your old pattern. I've not come to fit in uh, with your religious kind of uh, way that you've been doing things. I have come to do something brand new. I've not come to, to stick an old patch on an old garment. I've come to bring a brand new garment. I've come to clothe people in robes of righteousness. I've come to clothe people with the power of the Holy Spirit. I have come to bring, to make brand new creations out of humanity. And then when I've given these new garments to people. When I've created these new creations, I'm going to fill those new creations with new wine. And it's the new wine that I want us to to look at this morning. What is the new wine? Uh, Well, if you look at wine in the Bible, it can actually represent a couple of things. It can represent the blessing of God. Of course, it can represent the blood of Jesus, which is what we we remember when we take communion. But specifically this morning, I want to compare the wine with glory the glory of God. When Jesus is talking about new wine, he's saying, I am bringing new glory. I'm bringing a new output 
outpouring of my spirit, a new outpouring of my presence. You see this comparison in the very first miracle that Jesus did. You read about it in in John 2. I'm just going to kind of skim around this passage. But, you know, Jesus is at a wedding in Cana and it says that they ran out of wine. Jesus' mother said to Jesus, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time hasn't yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So they get the six jars of water. They fill them to the brim. They pour it out. And as they pour it out, it says that uh, the, the water was turned into wine. And um, the, 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 the master uh, said to the bridegroom, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. I want you to notice that this was not a miracle of multiplication. Jesus didn't get the kind of the old dregs that were left over and, and somehow multiply them. Instead, he brought brand new wine. It was greater wine. It was better wine. It, it was the best wine that they tasted. And it says through this miracle, Jesus revealed his glory. So the outpouring of wine was an outpouring of glory. So when Jesus said, I've come to bring new wine, I've come to pour in new wine. What is Jesus saying? I've come to bring new glory. I've come to bring a new move, a new wave of my glory. I've come to bring a fresh infilling of my glory. Just like those vessels were filled to the brim with water that turned to wine. As the vessels of God that are full this morning of the Holy Spirit, full this morning of faith and expectancy. Jesus is here to fill us with the wine of his presence. What do we mean uh, when we talk about the glory of God? Uh, sometimes in churches, particularly in a church like ours, you know, we, we might talk about the glory. We might sing about it. We might pray about it. But what do we mean when we talk about the glory of God? Uh, kind of putting on my, my theological hat for a moment. The word glory in, in the Hebrew, it, it's the word kabod, the Hebrew word kabod, and it means weight or heaviness. So the glory is the heavy, weighty presence of God. Well, when we think about the presence of God, there is, there's different levels, different degrees of weight to the presence of God. There's God's omnipresence. The fact that, that God is everywhere, the presence of God is everywhere right now. There's not a place on planet Earth where the presence of God isn't. But then there is a there is a greater level, and that's God's indwelling presence. That's the, the truth that, that God's presence, God's Holy Spirit lives in me and you that are children of God. Then, then there's what we might call the tangible presence of God. And that's when you just you just feel, you just sense, yeah, God is here. Uh, I, I can see, I can feel, I can sense the presence of God, maybe in prayer or you read in the scriptures or maybe in a church service you just get that sense yeah God's presence is here but then there's a glory of God that is when the heavy weighty 
glory, the heavy, weighty presence of God comes in. And sometimes in those moments, you can't even stand. It's just so heavy, so weighty, so powerful. The glory of God, it's the face of God. It, is, it can be linked with, with royalty, with the kingdom. It's when the kingdom of God, the throne of God comes in. I don't know if you've ever been in a place when you just sense, wow, the, the glory of God has come into this room. It's so powerful, so weighty, so ma magnificent, so majestic, so overwhelming. All you can do is be in awe. If you look in the Old Testament, the, the glory of God was something that could be felt. The, whole, the, the glory of God was, was something that could be seen. It was visible. The glory of God was something that could move. The glory of God was something that could be experienced. But even when you think about the glory of God turning up in the Old Testament, you think of when the glory of God turned up on Mount Sinai like a pillar of fire. You think of the glory of God that, that shone from the face of Moses. You think of the glory of God that, that when Solomon dedicated the temple, the glory of God turned up and they fell face down. They couldn't minister. They couldn't sing. They couldn't do anything. They were just overwhelmed by the glory of God. Friends, that glory was powerful. It was magnificent. But that is only a taste of what Jesus came to bring. That was old glory. But Jesus came to bring new glory. And friends, if, if God's glory is always, is always greater than the previous glory, friends, wow, how incredible is what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring this new glory for me and you. You see, the old glory, it says in Corinthians, um, it, was a, it was a glory that faded. The glory that, that, that was on the face of Moses, it, it faded after a while. But the glory that Jesus came to bring is an ever-increasing glory. It just keeps on getting better. It just keeps on getting more glorious. It just keeps on getting more wonderful. The glory of the Old Testament was a partial glory. When Moses saw the glory of God, he just saw the back parts of God. But the glory that Jesus came to bring, Jesus was a full expression of the Father's glory, the full radiance of the, of the glory of God. When you look at Jesus, when you see his face, you are seeing the fullness of God's glory. The old glory brought death, it says in Corinthians, but the new glory brings life. It's a life-giving, ever-increasing glory found in the face of God. And the Bible says that this glory brings transformation. I love that word, transformation. The Bible says that we are changed, we are transformed, we are transfigured by the glory of God until we reach so much glory that we end up looking just like Jesus. Friends, this is the gospel. This is why Jesus came. Uh, this is why he came to make you like him. And how are you changed? By beholding his glory, by looking at his glory, by encountering and experiencing his glory. Uh, the, old, the old covenant was, it was about obeying the law. It was about obeying rules and regulations. But the new covenant is encounter the glory. 
glory. The old covenant was do, do, do. The new covenant is drink, drink, drink. It's as you drink of the glory, as you, re- as you experience and receive the glory of God, the glory of the Holy Spirit, you are changed, you are transformed. Those old sins, those old habits, that old way of life, they, they gradually fall off. Sin loses its power as the glory of God fills your life. Not only are you changed, not only are you transformed, but your circumstances are changed. Your circumstances are transformed as you experience the glory of God. In the glory of God, miracles are released. In the glory of God, healing takes place. I'm believing and praying this morning that as you watch this, as you encounter the glory of God this morning, you will receive the miracle power of God. The healing power of God would flow right now into your living room or wherever you're watching this. In the glory, there is freedom. In the glory, there is joy. In the glory, there is provision. In the glory, there is a release. I'm going to come back to that word, uh, release. I just sense right now prophetically that for some of you, it's like there's some things that have been on pause. It's like there's some things that have been held back. But in the glory of God, as a glory is released, there is a release of those things. There is a release of those dreams. There is a release of those things that have almost been like they're on pause. That release comes in the glory. In the glory, God speaks in the glory God's goodness is revealed when God said to Moses Moses you're going to see my glory he said you're going to see my goodness the goodness of God the glory of God it's the same thing if you want a simple definition of the glory of God it's simply this the manifestation of the goodness of the father when your father in heaven shows you just how good he is when that glory becomes real and manifest and tangible in your life That is the glory of God. So the desire of God this morning is that you would experience his glory. That's the purpose of the gospel, that many sons and daughters will be brought unto glory. Jesus prayed that the same glory that he had, not the glory of the old covenant, but the new glory, the new wine. He said he prayed that that same glory will be revealed to me and you. He wants to crown you with glory. He wants you to experience his glory he wants you to see his glory he wants you to be filled by his glory and he wants you to carry his glory a great book that Chris has brought out just a few weeks ago about being a glory carrier Christ in you the hope of glory that means that wherever you go you bring hope you walk into a room And hope comes into the room because there is hope in the glory. There is no discouragement. There is no despondency. There is no fear in the glory of God. The glory of God pulsates with hope, with faith, with expectancy. The great desire of God is that the knowledge of his glory would cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. The desire of God, we're on Kingswood right now. God's desire is that this whole area will be flooded with his glory. That this whole city of of Hull, of East Yorkshire, of the United Kingdom, over into Europe, right out to the nations of the world, there will be an outpouring, an overflow of the glory of God. And right 
right now in your life, in your living room, wherever you're watching this, the desire of God right now is that his glory will be revealed and that you will be filled with his glory. This new wine, this new glory. Jesus said that the new wine will not fit into the old wineskins. Uh, the, the idea is there that as the uh, as wineskins get old, they become hard and that they're no longer flexible. Um, and, and as the as the wine kind of ferments, the wine will expand and spread out. And because those uh, those uh, old wineskins have become hard and inflexible, the, the, they can't contain the, the wine that's increasing, and so they'll break. And that the the old wineskin will be broken and the wine will be ruined as well. So Jesus says that, that you got to have new wineskins for the new wine. And I, I want to be that new wineskin. I want to be bendy. I want to be flexible. I want to be stretchable so that God can fill me with the new wine of his spirit. Sometimes we, uh, we kind of build our wineskin and then we say, God, come and fill our wineskin with your glory. But, God, but, but that's probably the wrong way of doing it. Instead, we say, God, we, we just, God, fill us with your wine and we'll, we'll move as the wine moves. We'll expand as the wine expands. We'll stretch as the wine stretches. We'll, we'll grow as the, the wine grows. We'll increase as the wine increases. Whatever we build for God to fill, to fill it will always be inadequate. Whatever container we try to put God in, it will always be too small so rather we just say God we're open we're, 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 we're flexible we're bendy God stretch us shape us mold us make us into your vessels oh God right now as as a church and I mean that small c revived church but also big c the church worldwide right now God circumstances are changing our wineskin who would have thought that, you know, in January, uh, we, we would be going months without gathering together, that all our services would be online? Who would have thought that we would, uh, that I'd be speaking to you from, you know, on Facebook and Instagram? Who would have thought that, that this would be how we did church? But, but God is changing our wineskin. And let me tell you that the wineskin is going to keep changing. Why? Because God wants to bring new glory. I believe we're coming into a season, a time when God wants to pour glory out like never before upon his people. So, you know, as a church, we need to be prepared that when we come back, church isn't going to look like it did before. We need to look at how we do church, how we do gatherings, how we do ministry, how we do outreach how we do evangelism what we mean when we talk about revival all these things church if we are going to see a move of glory we got to look at our wineskin uh, for us as individuals, if I've got to look at my wineskin. I've got to look at, at my container. I've got to look, you know, am I living holy? Am I living pure? Are my priorities right? Is my focus right? Uh, are my faith levels, my expectancy right? I want to be that new wineskin that God can fill with his glory. But I, I don't really want to touch on the wineskin this morning. That could be a totally different preach. This morning, it's all about the wine. I remember a few years ago, I was at a conference for a particular denomination. 
And this denomination were changing their wineskin. And, uh, and we spent about three days where people were talking about the organizational changes that this denomination was going through. So they were changing people's titles and some people were stepping down, some people were retiring, new leaders were coming in, they were changing the departments and the ministries and it was just two, three days of all talk about the wineskin, the structure, the organization. And kind of at the end of the conference, it was kind of, right, we've done a good job. We've, uh, we've changed everything. We've reorganized everything. God bless you all. And suddenly a guy put his hand up, someone that I know well, someone that I, I recognize as a real prophet from God. And he said, hang on a minute. Can I say something as we're closing? And uh, they brought this guy to the front. I think they were, they were a little bit unsure what to do. I think spontaneous prophetic words, that didn't quite fit into their wineskin. Uh, but this guy said, look, we spent two, three days talking about the wineskin, but no one's talked about the wine. What good is it if we've got our new, shiny, wonderful wineskin in place, but there's no wine? Church, it doesn't matter what church is going to look like in the future. <laughs> the important thing, is we need the wine. Friends, we're going to gather together. We're going to gather together soon. We're believing, you know, in the next year, 18 months, however long, we're going to get a great new building on Kingswood. We're believing new ministries are going to start. There's all going to be all kinds of exciting things that we're going to be doing as a church over the next few weeks and months and years. But friends, it is nothing, nothing without the wine. It is only the wine that can change this nation. It is only the wine that can bring hope to the hopeless. It is only wine that can bring healing to the broken. In my life, in your life, we can tick all the boxes. I go to church, tick. I read my Bible, tick. I pray, tick. You know, I, I, you know, I, I give my tithes to the church, tick. I live a good life, tick. But friends, it is nothing without the wine. We can have the, the, we can have the structure. We can have the form of Christianity, but the power is in the wine. The glory is in the wine. The life, the, the supernatural element is in the wine. That's where the miracles are. That's where the intimacy is. That's where the joy is. That's where the freedom is. God is great longing and great desire is that we as a church would experience the new wine of his spirit. That each one of us as individuals, we would experience the new wine of his presence isn't it fascinating that that in this wedding in John 2 they ran out of wine and no one suggested cancelling the wedding you know they were quite happy to continue that wedding without the wine until Mary stood up they, they, they must have thought well we got a we got a rabbi we got a bride a groom what more do we need but Mary said hang on a minute you know, she recognized we can't just keep going without the wine. It's scary to me that sometimes in church we can just carry on doing what we're doing. But there's no wine there. But someone has to stand up and say, you know what? We refuse just to keep this thing going unless there's wine there. We refuse to, to just sing songs and preach sermons and have meetings and all that kind of stuff without the wine. 
Friends, what we're doing this morning, you know, I, I can come and talk to you and we can have videos and all this kind of stuff uh, and it can be great and there's a lot of work gone into this morning's service. But friends, unless you experience wine this morning, it's been for nothing. Friends, our only desire is this morning that you would have an encounter with the glory of God, with the wine of your spirit. Our prayer this morning, like the prayer of Moses, is God, show us your glory. When I encountered the glory of God for really the first time in 2007, I, I wasn't in a church service. I was sat on the sofa in a living room, just like a lot of you are. And the glory of God came into that room. It was th so thick and heavy and weighty. I fell face down on the carpet. For several hours, I was shaking under the glory of God. But friends, it was that, that encounter with glory that launched me into the ministry that I'm doing today. I, I mentioned that word release earlier on. I believe right now there is a release coming to people in the areas of ministry. Right now, there is a launching that's taking place, but it's a you are launched out of the glory. As you encounter, counter the glory of God. God is launching you into new areas of ministry, into new depths of of usefulness and influence. Um, friends, I, I'm nearly through. We're going to pray in a moment, but but the prophets are saying this is a new era and the new era is characterized by new wine. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. And you know that you've heard it said before. That means to be continually filled with the spirit. Wine is not meant just to sit in a bottle. Wine is meant to be drunk. The glory of God is never meant to be just something that we talk about or sing about. It's something that's meant to be drunk, something that's meant to be experienced, something that is meant to be received. I pray this morning you will be drunk. You will be intoxicated with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. There are new infillings that God has for people this morning. There are new encounters, there's new joy, there's new intimacy, there's a new harvest coming. I don't even have time to go into the Old Testament and Joel and Amos and how the new wine is always linked with the harvest of souls. But I do know this, the new wine is always saved to last the master was, he was, he was amazed. He said, so, a lot of people, uh, you know, they bring out the best wine first, but you have saved the best till now. Friends, I believe God's glory always gets better. It always increases. I believe that the, the church's best days are ahead of her. God is getting ready right now to pour out a new wave of glory on planet Earth. And Revive Church, we're going to be part of that. It's not going to be like the glory before. It's going to be better. We are not going back to church as it was. We're coming out into greater glory, a greater move, greater miracles, greater harvest, a greater outpouring than anything we have ever known or experienced before.